0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the list. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record. Book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force five in the open court. Into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings
0: basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. I am your regular host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my usual co-host with me today. That is Rich Ivanowski. How you doing today, Rich?
1: Oh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Our home and native land. The Raptors man. Proud of them.
0: Yeah, I can't say I was expecting that. Before the series, I was pretty confident saying Bucks in 6. And Toronto's bench just finally showed up.
1: Yeah, proud of our neighbors to the north. Proud of Kawhi. He's been through a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. Feel bad for Giannis. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's been an incredible series and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm actually really more excited for the finals than I thought that I would be.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I just, I figured that if going back to the beginning of the the season or even middle of the season, I figured once we got to the finals, it was going to be, uh, boring. Like, I didn't know exactly who it would be and, uh, I figured it wouldn't be that interesting. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like the Raptors can can make, a, make this into a series. Yeah, and there's no KD
0: potentially for the whole series, it feels like. Yeah, it's interesting. And I just want to say, I feel like Giannis was not a closer at all. I mean, he struggled with that previously and in general. We've kind of seen Middleton have that role. But I was disappointed. I expected Game 6 Giannis to just go complete greek freak mode i guess and it just never happened i mean he doesn't feel it feels weird to say that he doesn't feel versatile enough almost
1: yeah i think there's a type of superstar that can still get shut down by the best defenses in the league um and then there's a type that can't and i and i'm wondering if like kd and Kawhi are the type that just can't get shut down yeah no matter who you know no matter who they're looking at no matter who's guarding them no matter what the schemes are and then there's a guy like Giannis who is incredible but there are certain limitations to his game where if he f- faces a truly elite defense that is running the right scheme against him you know maybe he just can't persevere through that
0: yeah it's crazy to me you know I had been saying that This would be the start of like an all-time career if Giannis could somehow pull off a finals victory. And now I'm looking at Kawhi in that way. I mean, I want to say that he was the youngest finals MVP ever from that San Antonio day. I could be incorrect on that one, actually. But I I mean, if he were to get another final victory here, he compels himself into a start of a really nice career because he's still fairly young.
1: Right. Like you said, the finals MVP in San Antonio, I think that if the Raptors were to somehow win this series uh, against the Warriors, I would be shocked that if anyone else got the finals MVP here. And then, I mean, I think he's still out. I think he's gone. I was to so ask, yeah. Who, honestly, I should have looked this up beforehand, but has anyone gotten three finals MVPs with three different teams? Probably not, right? I don't believe so. I
0: can't imagine. No. Yeah, so you still think that he's out, even if they win the whole thing? I do think that he's out. Did you see that video of his sister on Instagram? I did. That was crazy. And then, I mean, of course, I saw something of her saying, you know, it's some random Raptors hater she's watching it with in the background. But, I mean, it's his
1: sister. I thought it was pretty notable. Yeah, I just, I don't know. In my heart, I just feel like... There's no, I, I get, so he's a robot, right? We talk, we've, we, yeah. uh, this is well established. He's an android, basketball android. And uh, I don't know, there's, you, you can get whatever you want from any team in the league. If you go to a team that had struggled mightily in the playoffs and you just take them, put them on your back, get the chip, you, you can do whatever you want. You can walk into LA just like LeBron did and uh, go, all right, this is my team now. This is who I want you to go get. Like, you just own you own the other half of L.A. now. So did it take one season for Kawhi Leonard to
0: become the best Raptor of all time?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to give my, like a lot of love to my boy, Vince Carter, who, yep. you know, we in Sacramento, we love that guy. But, I mean, he never did anything like this. No, and... You know, DeRozan and
0: the teams that he he was leading, obviously with Lowry still there. It just didn't feel like the playoff chance was ever there. The second that they reached LeBron, it was just a wall that there was no chance of getting past. And I understand LeBron's not there. And I guess you can put it on that. But I feel like the East got even stronger. And they just obviously didn't have an elite player, the level of Kawhi.
1: Yeah, no, DeRozan's not in the conversation for me, honestly. And I, that's that's that sucks because I love DeMar DeRozan. I think he is one of the best dudes in the NBA. Yeah. I always love how he talks up, you know, speaks up about uh depression and and you know, he like is a really uh honest guy and like really not afraid to be vulnerable with the league and I just I think he got done a little bit dirty, but I also think his game is kind of like He's got like a '90s game, yeah. And I I don't know. I he's just he's not on that level. Uh, You know, I think his stock only went down this year, unfortunately. Yeah, it was interesting to me. I was breaking down like
0: prior superstar trades, kind of trying to see what Bradley Beal would get, and most of them were a young piece, a lottery pick, and that was what it revolved around. But then this Kawhi one was DeMar DeRozan. Mm -hmm. And obviously, occasionally, some of the trades were established superstars. But I feel like San Antonio should have taken the young guys. I know they didn't want to move with the Lakers or anything like that. But benefiting themselves, I feel like they're stuck in this like 7-8 spot for a little while. And I don't see a path to major improvement there.
1: Yeah, it's tough because I wonder what Pop's role in that was. If he felt like, you know, I'm going to retire in five years four years something like that and he didn't want to see a rebuild through but he didn't want to go out now so yeah he just wants to continue to be competitive for another three to five years I don't know let me ask you um just as far as what Kawhi has done here what's your where are your top five players in the NBA at and we can get over this quickly and and get on to King stuff but just curious because the way he's showing out, is he above Giannis now? I think
0: so. But there's something to be said about Kawhi only playing sixty something games.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's such a tough thing when you see a guy be so dominant for an entire regular season, but then get bested in a in a playoff series. Yeah. It's really hard to weigh that. And so I wonder if you if you give me at least a top three. Try to give me a top five if you can. Oh, players in the NBA right now. I mean, well, Durant's at the top for me. Number one, yeah, got it. And
0: I'm not putting LeBron on this list. Durant, and then I guess Kawhi, Giannis.
1: Yeah, Tim Maxwell agrees with you. That was uh, he was talking last night about that. That's 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 his top three now. LeBron's out of it. Harden's not there. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. I'd probably put Steph above Harden also.
0: There you go. Above LeBron? Right now, yeah. It, it feels oh. like this was the first year of LeBron's decline. I don't know. He also was injured for an extended period of time, obviously. But I, this year, yeah.
1: I guess it, it's just, it's crazy how often the stuff changes. You know, I mean, even a month ago, I feel like my, that's, I can't argue with your list. And even a month ago, it would have been way different. You know, going back to the beginning of the season, it would have been way different. And so we're going to get into Darren Fox right now and talk about we're going to try to put him in the mix of the best point guards. And that also is going to be hard to to nail down because I just feel like a month into the first, you know, a month into the regular season, it could go any direction. Or if we had talked six months ago or at the beginning of the year, he's not even in this conversation for one of the best point guards in the league so it's pretty wild but you want to get into it yeah i struggle with trying to not
0: overreact to certain series or specific situations but then also accounting for those when i'm ranking them
1: it is it's hard to weigh you know what what Kawhi did last night? It's hard to it's hard to if we're talking about you know best players in the league. It's how do you weigh that against the, what we saw in the yeah. last hundred games? But let's start off with some let's start off with a general review of De'Aaron Fox's year, uh, and then and then we can get to his where he falls among point guards on the back end of that.
0: Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakhani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, so De'Aaron Fox, definitely a breakout player this year. He is in the top three of the most improved candidates, along with Pascal Siakam and D'Angelo Russell. He played 81 games this entire season. The one that he sat out was a rest game in Toronto. and Right there, second in, in the team in minutes per game as well. I mean, one of the best assets you can have is just being available. He jumped up to 17.3 points per game this year, 7.3 assists. That's team leading also nearly four boards and his efficiency was, was decent. The three point percentage was surprising. It was 37% on the year, which was not what we were expecting from Fox come year to 45% from the field and he did get to the line most on the team as well. I think that he definitely can excel there a little bit upwards of five attempts per game, but only knocking those down at a 72% rate. But Fox came into his own as being the leader of the Kings this year.
1: Yeah. I, I want to talk about that three point percentage. One of the first things you mentioned there, it's, this is massive. And I think a lot of people were keying in on this improvement. Um, before the season, I know I felt like Darren had to shoot it better than 30.7% yeah. from three in order to be an effective point guard in this league, um, or to be to be an above average point guard in this league, and yeah, he made that jump from 30 to 37, essentially, and uh, 31 to 37, and I went back and pulled up a piece that I wrote for Sacktown Royalty over the offseason, last offseason. About specifically this about point guards who improved their three point shot, and there's a few guys that I'll throw out there, and maybe you can tell me if you see him making this type of improvement across his career. Uh, Kemba Walker, his shot. Just t- speaking of shot specifically, Kemba shot 30.5 as a rookie. Wow! F- from three, and now his, and ever since then, he's shot 36.2. That feels like what I'm... Because I'm not seeing another jump from, from Fox from three. Not not anything significant. Yeah. I, I'm feeling like 37, 38, he'll live around here, and, I, and I'm cool with that. Uh, and then another guy, so like that's Kemba, and then another guy is Mike Conley shot 33% as a rookie, and has shot almost 38% since then.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I don't think that there's going to be another major jump, but I also don't think he regresses from this, so I'm on board with you here. I think Jason Jones pointed out that all of his shots were going short rookie year and a lot of it just had to do with building that strength to be actually able to hit an NBA level three. And I think that's there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he stays about this.
1: Yeah. And one other guy I think, uh, you could look at is Jamal Murray who shot 33% as a rookie and then, uh, shot around 37, 38% cents. So I think there is a little bit of a jump in that, that sophomore season bump for, uh, A lot of guards, like you say, adjusting to the, just the, the NBA three point line, I think is, you know, that's a real thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And he shot 6% better from deep on the road than at home. Do you feel like there's anything to that? I mean, that's a decent, uh, decent difference.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't think there's anything to that, or at least not, not like, not not having to do with where they are. Like, I, I could see if you maybe broke down who they're playing. Maybe he faced some tougher defensive matchups on the road. Like I, I think, if anything, it's coincidence. I don't think he's just, like, shooting better away from Sacramento.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And then also, and this is kind of his game, but he shoots a good amount of mid-range shots. I don't think that it's overwhelming, but... Do you feel like that's going to get cut at all? I mean, he's in the 82nd percentile of point guards in these mid-range attempts, and I'm fine with them because I think that he excels there when he gets people going downhill, being able to pull up on a dime will get him an open look. But with modern NBA, do you feel like he needs to be shooting more threes, less mid-ranges?
1: I don't have a problem with it. Um, we, Um ha- I think you nailed it right on the head, like, an open shot is the best shot in the NBA. Yeah. Um, you know, when when it goes to contested, then that's when you really need to make sure that you're shooting from around the rim or outside the three-point line. But like you said, his speed and athleticism, in transition in particular, he can find open mid-range jumpers. He can. Like, he can, he can pull up. And another thing about this is he's often the guy who... When the shot clock's winding down, he's got to find himself a shot. He's got to create a shot for this team. And, yeah, I mean, I'll take an uncontested mid-ranger over, uh, you know, like like Buddy getting bodied in the corner. You know, you know, there's a lot. There's a worse shots that this team could take, so I really don't have a problem with it. To nitpick some
0: weaknesses here, I mean, that free throw percentage has to go up, right? I mean, he was literally the 100th percentile of shooting fouled percentage he's fouled on his shot attempts all the time and it is because he's so aggressive but you you just got to be hitting at a better rate than that and the entire team really struggled at that I think Willie leaving and being the worst will obviously help but Fox is able to live at the line I need that percentage to be going up
1: yeah unacceptable the whole team I mean yeah I I think the Kings lost a lot of games because of this and You know, to give Fox a little credit down the stretch, there were some big games where he was hitting all of his free throws at the end of games. But Yeah. yeah, you, you need, you needed to be consistent. You need to make those free throws early too. Yeah. But aside from that, where do you see weaknesses in Fox? I think that at a certain point, he's got to take over the game a little bit more. You talk, we talked about how his efficiency improved by light years from year one to year two but his his usage didn't really go up at all less than one percent jump in usage um you know and if you look at his his field goal attempts per 100 possessions it went from 19.9 as a rookie to 20.1 virtually no change there he's making more shots but he's not taking more shots yeah agreed and i think the thing is that He's very clearly capable
0: of that. I mean, like you said, the percentages have risen and I do want to give credit to him for being able to get upwards of seven assists. And I think that's partially why there was a lot of moving around with this roster this year and just trying to make everybody comfortable and get everybody else their shots. But I mean, that's just a way that Fox is going to develop on his own, that finding a balance between also feeding your teammates and... Getting your own a little more than
1: you are now. Yeah, I uh, I wonder uh, how do you think with with uh, with Barnes in the starting lineup from day one, and with Bagley, assumedly also in the starting lineup, how are we going to see his distribution change?
0: I think that he'll probably stay around the same number of assists. I think it could go up a bit but I don't see it changing all that much. I mean, Barnes is definitely a catch-and-shoot guy, but Bagley's not quite that. Um, So I don't think Bagley's giving him a crazy amount more of assists, unless we hopefully start to see that Fox-Bagley pick and roll. But I don't know. I don't see the assist number going up all too much next year or the field goal attempts, really. I mean, I want it to, but with the amount of, Evening out that, that the attempts are going to have to do across that starting lineup plus bogey and Giles off the bench. I just don't see it happening.
1: I want the usage to go way up next year. And I think that there's a, a reasonable argument that it could. Barnes is a low usage guy. He can catch and shoot. He doesn't need the ball to be a part of an effective offense. He can, you know, he can spot up. Um, and, Bagley, he really did a lot of back-to-the-basket stuff, a lot of uh, holding the ball. And I think that that's fine as a rookie in a second unit, but I don't want that in my starting lineup for the Kings. You know, Maybe one day, maybe when he's really an elite uh, turn-and-face scorer, but I think that really I, I want Bagley to kind of be playing cleanup. I want him to... I want him to be, you know, when he's in transition or when he's, you know, got a matchup, I want him to take advantage of that and Fox will find him there. But really, I want him to I want this to be a guard led team where Fox and Buddy are kind of doing their thing and kind of, you know, trading looks and being a big part of the usage of this team. And then Barnes can kind of, you know, spot up at three Bagley can kind of clean up down low you know, I, I don't know the who the fifth starter will be necessarily. I don't know what the center position is going to end up being or if, you know, if Belly somehow continues to start. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but that's not a bad scenario for me. If Barnes and Belly are kind of stretching the floor, um, Fox and, and Buddy can go to work and Bagley is just down low, just uh, uh, taking out the trash.
0: Yeah, and we see it on so many of the elite teams in the NBA. More often than not, your best player tends to be your point guard, or at least one of the elite guys that is going to be able to put you on that next level. He's the playmaker. He's the one running everything. And Fox seems to have a good intelligence of reading defenses, also understanding the offense that he's running, where people need to be. And I've been really impressed with his leadership also. You could see it even more when Shumpert left. And for being 21 years old and what looks like the voice of the team already, I mean, I could not be more happy with this. We've talked about we wouldn't trade him for Steph straight up. There's so many other guys that it's the same way. I mean, the Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Fox is just going to grow to be one of these at least top five point guards in the league, but if we're talking right now, what sort of range do you put De'Aaron Fox side by side with the other NBA point guards?
1: It's a really good question. I think that there's at least some guys that we can mark off this list that are better than Fox right now. Obviously your Steph Curry's, your Kyrie Irvings, Dame Lillards. And I mean Honestly Honestly that's the only three that I feel like we like we. There's no point in even discussing.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with that.
1: And then, I mean, are we counting Ben Simmons as a point no, guard? No, I don't like to. Okay, so then let's let's forget about him for now. Then there's another group where Westbrook and Kemba and Chris Paul. I feel like they have the pedigree. Does, does Lowry uh, go in there? Not trying to overreact to recency, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have him kind of with Bledsoe just in, in a in a tier below that okay what did you say your second tier was Westbrook CP3 and Kemba yeah and and so here's the thing about that I don't really like any of those guys Kemba Kemba I like um just as an offensive like just machine but yeah. he's not bringing you anything on defense Westbrook I just I think that he's so inefficient on offense that that I don't I don't I don't know, like, even, even just like for a game, I don't know that I'd rather have Westbrook than Fox, honestly. But for, you know, for sake of argument, and just like we've seen it for so long, that Westbrook can be, can be effective. Uh, maybe not at the highest levels, maybe not in the playoffs, but, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and put Westbrook up there. Same thing with Chris Paul, because even though he's getting older and he's breaking down, we know that he can get it done. Uh, so yeah, Westbrook, CP3, and Kemba just made an all-NBA team. I'm not going to take that away from him. So that's six that I've got that I'm willing to to put above Fox uh, without much discussion. Well, I feel like, like we
0: said, there's that Steph Kyrie Dame. that's the first tier, and then all the guys you mentioned, there's not a huge gap in between any of them, and I feel like Fox just falls under that category.
1: Yeah, and I mean, how are you stacking up him against... Lowry or, or Eric Bledsoe? Um, I'm taking Fox
0: over either one of the... Uh, easily Bledsoe. Um, Bledsoe tends to disappear at times. I mean, when he's getting downhill, he's a good distributor, he's a good finisher around the rim. I'm not very confident in the shooting. I think that I value the leadership and being able to run a team more in Fox. Lowry is a bit more interesting because I do really like Lowry. I think that he has a lot of the intangibles that he draws charges on defense. I think he's good on that side of the ball, but he's also streaky in his own right. Um, I think that I just also put Lowry in that group with Westbrook, CP3, and Kemba, but I feel like I could justify Fox at the top of that group.
1: I don't, I, yeah, for me, Lowry's not in it. He, I think also he's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting blinded by the numbers, but 14 points a game. I know he was, he had like, he was leading the league in assists for a long time, but 14 points a game, you know, less than 35% from three. I don't know. I, I just feel like he's got a great team around him. Uh, And he's always had help. Like, he's always had, we just talked about DeMar not being the greatest player in the world, but he's always had some help up there. Uh, And I don't know. I just, I don't, I see him as a tier below. I I can't get him on the same tier as, like, uh, Chris Paul, uh, even, you know, Kemba. I can't, I can't get him there. Yeah. Well, Kemba to me, it's just that
0: glaring weakness on the defensive end. Westbrook, like you said, there's the inefficiencies and I've also just never liked Westbrook that much. I don't think that he yeah. contributes to winning very well. Right. Um, and then CP3 is an amazing point guard, but he's just older at this point and he's definitely slowed down that I feel like all these other guys have these glaring weaknesses and Fox doesn't really feel like he has that. I mean, I guess like, are we talking, who am i taking for all of next season then Fox yeah. is like i said i think i can justify putting him at the top of that list
1: yeah i think we do have to re- kind of phrase it as who will have the next who will have the best season next year and and in that case i think i'm the same way I, it seems crazy it does it seems crazy but yeah Lowry's 32 Budso's 29 and had a rough Uh, you know playoff run although he I will say he had a very nice regular season in my in my mind Um, right you know Russ is is getting old as well he's his shooting his one MVP year was the only year he he shot the ball decently and it's bad other than that I I don't see his rebound hunting as like you know enough to make up for the inefficiency I think it's part of OKC's scheme where everybody just box out, let Russ grab the board. Right. And I can't imagine any team in the world that would want Chris Paul, honestly, over any of those guys just because of the injury stuff and the the age at this point.
0: Yeah, it's been bad. And then, yeah, I don't know. And then there's just clearly another tier after that with guys like Drew Holiday, who I guess is borderline under this tier, but... Uh, I can I can really justify putting F- Fox fourth. And this is crazy because I mean before we went live I was saying he's not top 5 but he's definitely top 10 and I think yeah. I kind of talked myself out of that.
1: Me too. I had him 8th. Well I I wrote this down. I had him 8th. I had the the first three and then the next four that we just talked about and I also had Simmons in here because I didn't know if we were going to include him. Um, I, ha- I had him eighth, and now I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, well, so before we go ahead and crown him four, there's two other guys that we got to talk about. Uh, and it's this is the young group. So this is Fox, Russell, or Trey Young. So D'Angelo Russell, 22, uh, Darren Fox, 21, Trey Young, 20. W- are you feeling like this is no contest? That it's for Fox? Uh, for Trey Young,
0: that's an easy one. Uh, if we're talking d I mean, so led his team to three more wins. And in the East, that's a six seed. But I think that there was a better team around him and just general situation that they all played hard. So I don't put it to d And then there's the defense. Yeah, I, I can put Bob Fox at the top of that. God, we are crazy we are crazy
1: homers right now for
0: this it feels like it but I'm I'm trying not to be like I can make this argument
1: I'm trying not to be too I think that you can make a legitimate so yeah the Trey thing the defense is zero I mean there is nothing yeah, he's sorry. giving you nothing on defense four turnovers a game that's not good I can get the argument on d'angelo russell but he's been in the league longer he's had more time to develop develop, and it feels like now they're just on the same level uh where fox can really continue to to grow and i feel like if you switched fox and russell all this hype around d'lo would be even more so on De'Aaron. if you if you switch their teams you know what i mean
0: yeah i think that De'Aaron just contributes to making his teammates so much better than D'Angelo does.
1: Though I will say with Russell, his usage is massive. Like it's so massive and he's able to maintain a very solid efficiency level. And that's, we don't know that Fox can do that. We haven't seen that yet. So we're talking about, you know, we're talking about uh, Fox as a guy who, Needs to step up a lot. We talk about how he needs to be. He needs to just take over and he needs to really run this team and have it be his team. He's not, you know, again, like the the usage. His usage is not impressive for a point guard. And yeah, I don't know. Russell is just thirty two percent usage, and he's still getting it done at the level that Fox is. on efficiency, efficiency wise, Russell's still shooting thirty seven percent from three on eight attempts per game, where Fox is only shooting 37% on three attempts per game. You know, that's meaningful.
0: Yeah, I think so. But there's also the other side of the ball where I feel like Russell definitely struggles there. And I just feel like the identity that you're able to have all around Fox isn't the same way with D'Angelo, where if you're building a team around him, it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you're our number one scorer right now, but then these other guys just got to kind of figure it out on their own. I think that D'Angelo does a good job of getting other people involved, but the level that Fox is able to do it at and bring an entire identity to a team, I think that just puts him over for me.
1: I feel like if we talk to a Nets fan or someone covering the Nets, that they would tell us that D'Angelo is the Nets identity too, though. Which we should do, by the way. I, I really, uh, there's a guy that uh, I'll reach out to who would be awesome to bring on the show and have this exact debate.
0: Yeah, this uh, would be a good one. I think these guys are close. Do you think that, I mean, because obviously we wouldn't swap Fox for D'Angelo. Do you feel like the Nets would do that?
1: I think that they would, but they, they, well, I think that their front office would, but I think that their fan base wouldn't.
0: Yeah. So does that uh, not make fox the better player
1: i've got fox by just a hair and i think it goes down to the defense like you said but um we'll, we'll really know when fox takes five threes a game and when he ups his usage to 28 29 and keeps this this efficiency then then you got a superstar because that's what superstars do superstars have near 30 percent usage and and uh, are efficient with it but I wanted to throw out two other guys. So you had mentioned, uh, Holiday, Drew Holiday. I actually prefer Drew Holiday. If Drew Holiday is a point guard, which I have him as a shooting guard, if he's a point guard, I'd prefer him to, to Fox right now. Hmm.
0: Um, that's a good point about him being a shooting guard because he hasn't really played the one in New Orleans recently. Why do you, what makes you prefer Holiday?
1: He's a two-way player. Uh, he's a fantastic defender. I think we, that much we know, right? He's an incredible defensive player. And I don't know. I'm still, I, that Pelicans Blazers first round series from not this round of the playoffs, but not this year of the playoffs, but the previous year. I, some, he's just, he really took that series over and shut down Dame Lillard and. It was a sight to behold, and he was doing it on offense too. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, he's he's. I know he's not like a, a shooter, but he's an elite two way player. He's, you know, twenty one points a game, and maybe top five defense at his position, top three defense at his position.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's also getting twenty one points on a team with no other real threats. I understand Anthony Davis, but he sat a good majority of this year. It's only 32% from deep, but the defense, I do really understand there. Like you said, I think he's a top five defender. If we're looking at point guards easily, if we're putting him in that category, but there's also injury concern. I mean, only 67 games this year. Um, I know one of the years he missed was because of something with his wife, but I don't know. If, if I'm able to put Drew over, which I can understand, I think they're very close. It's only for next year.
1: Well, here's the thing though. You mentioned, you know, him doing 21 points a game without anyone on the team. That's, that's unfair. He had 19 points a game with Boogie and Anthony Davis the previous season. Okay. And in the, that playoff series with Anthony Davis, Boogie was hurt, but with Anthony Davis, he had 24 points a game in a playoff series. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think
0: that's a good point.
1: I think that's unfair just because he doesn't shoot. Well, I, you know, we obviously we overvalue shooting everyone in the league. We, we just look at, okay, how good is this player? Oh, how, how well does he shoot from three? And that's like, that's, it's too simple. Um, but of any player that shoots whatever, 32% from three, I think he's one of the best offensive players in the league.
0: Yeah, I can come around to it. I think that they're very close. I think that, i don't know i again these guys that do come close like this to fox i just value what he brings to being the identity of the team that drew holiday if you were to have him on this king's team then it's a little bit of question okay what is this team and fox very clearly when you throw him on the team it's okay we are running in transition we are just Constantly sprinting up and down the court, outrunning the other team, outpacing them, and them being so close, that's enough to put Fox over for me.
1: Yeah, agreed agree to disagree there, but then there's one other guy that we haven't brought up which kind of is a little bit crazy. Two more two guys. I'll throw Jamal Murray in there. Where does he rank in the Trey D'Angelo Fox debate? And is he truly a point guard?
0: That's a good point about the truly a point guard, because I think that he kind of needs to play that role of having the ball in his hand, but he's not a distributor. So I think that technically yes, but he's not a he's not a pure point guard. And who were the three? We had D'Angelo Fox and then Trey, right? And now throwing Jamal Murray in there. I would
1: rank it Fox over D'Angelo by a hair, and then a decent gap to Murray and Trey yeah
0: I think so right now I mean I've just never been that high on Jamal Murray I think that he and he has shut me up a good amount this year but I just don't see like you said I mean the defensive end is bad and he's not he's technically a two guard but he can't really guard the two very well he can't even really guard the one very well I mean, Fox is definitely above him, but in regards to who else we're ranking, I might put Trey Young above Jamal Murray.
1: That, uh, I can see the argument there, but at least as far as this conversation, he's below Fox. So yeah. we can move on th- to the last guy. Uh, I'll say Dinwiddie almost garnered some, some interest from me, but not quite. I think he's more on that Trey. Uh, Murray level yeah. um, and the last guy that we should really consider here as being better than Fox maybe is Mike Conley
0: this is a good one I think that there's obviously that injury concern with Conley um, but the percentages are nice Conley's always been a really good passer mm-hmm. and he's been consistent Um there's not the defensive end for Conley though and he's Definitely on the older side at this point. That hmm, this one's this one's close. We definitely didn't mention Conley in that group, and he probably belongs with hmm. Do I say Westbrook, CP3? Maybe in there, but towards the bottom. And if I'm saying that I can take Fox over guys like Westbrook and and Kemba, then I gotta say over Conley too.
1: Huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think Conley is a is a pretty good defender. I think he's just a step above that sort of Lillard Kyrie level of defender, <laughs> where you know they're kind of offense they're offensive oriented, but he he gives you something certainly way above the the Kembas of the world. Um. It's
0: really tough,
1: really man. Close. Yeah, it's tough. But so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think if we're projecting forward to next year, I, I gotta say Fox just, just based on age and, and injury history.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way there. And then, like you said, Conley's a good defender, but Fox is on another level there. The Kings Pulse podcast is now available on the app Podcoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as, as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can learn, earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards, and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well.
1: I pulled up real plus minus. Uh, We did this with shooting guards last week, but I want to guess where you have Fox at. We can go, you want to do offense first, defense first? Let's do the defensive side. All right, defensive RPM out of a hundred and two point guards. Where do you see? Where do you think De'Aaron Fox ranked by this stat? Hmm.
0: Skull, I think that he's top
1: ten. Interesting. Uh, he finished eighteenth. Okay. Hmm. And remember, there's going to be some guys on here that are. Very low minutes, guys. So you can take okay. Brad, Brad Wanamaker out of there. You can take With disrespect. You can take Isaac Bonga out of there. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, Ray Felton. That feels like he's not a good defender. That feels like I mean he didn't play enough minutes to be like yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah. I mean by this metric he's probably top fifteen. Okay. And that that feels about right. And then what are some of the other names that are in there? Chris Paul is first. George Hill, for some reason, is second. Got Lowry, Corey Joseph, Derek White, Pat Bev, Marcus Smart, Lonzo Ball, Bledsoe, Drew Holiday. Yeah, know, th- this feels about right for the most part. Yeah. It's good company. He's right below Ben Simmons, Darren Fox is. So, yeah, good company. How about on the offensive side of things? Uh, where do you think you finish an RPM there? Hmm. I mean, he
0: has such a big impact on the offensive end. Like, when he comes into the game, it's just a totally different style. Well, let's go, I guess, too high last time. I'm going to go with, let's say, about the same range. Let's go with 15.
1: 25. Okay. Huh. Still good, though. I mean, this yeah. is... These are still good numbers. Um, out of 102, you know, to be yeah. in that top, you know, top 25% there. Hardens first, obviously, Curry, Lillard, Kemba, Kyrie, Conley, Drew, Lowry, Westbrook, Paul, Bledsoe, Murray, Russell, you know, th- so this, you know, this makes sense. This adds up. Um, there's a few, there's a few weirdos and anomalies in there, but you know, I, I think you could say that he's a top 20-ish offensive point guard and a top 15 ish defensive point guard at very worst at like absolute worst. So, um, yeah. And then having, having that two way ability, like a lot of the guys that are in the top 20 in offense are going to be like bottom 20 in defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to get a, a guy who's, who's league average at both first, like, and let me be, let me rephrase that starter average level at both, gives you a really special uh, special player.
0: Yeah, and obviously, this isn't Andy. He's only, t- he's only 21 years old. And we've done this game of sort of saying what we think that their on-court value is for next season. And I feel like De'Aaron Fox is going to be the highest one we have here. I believe the previous highest was Buddy Healed. What, what was the number that we had ca- came up with on that one? I believe you went 20 and I went 25. Okay. I think, I think that we were both at 25, but then I had bogey lower than you did. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But that was the highest one that we
1: had yet, right? Yes. Okay. And is Fox higher than that? Easy max. Yep. Agreed. Easy max. Even if you're talking a one year deal. Yeah. Just on poor value. Yeah. I mean, there's very, I mean, we could even get into the conceptual levels where you can't even pay him this much, but I think the most he could make is about twenty-eight million, uh, and he can't. I mean, he can't make that. But that—that's if—if he were up for a max contract, it'd be about twenty-eight million. And I think that he's worth more than that. I—I think that you could legitimately pay him thirty. Yeah, I have no issues with
0: that. It was very easy for me to decide on. He was max money value next year, and not this offseason, but next offseason, you are going to have to look at offering him an extension, and trying not to look too far ahead into the future, you have to think that it's going to be a max extension, right?
1: No question. It, he would have to have... Jeez, I'll, I'll knock on some wood, but things would have to go very, very poorly for him. to. He's on track for a max, no question. Yeah. You
0: know, we've been extremely disrespectful to Yogi Farrell when we're ranking these point guards.
1: Talking top ten. <laughs> I mean... Yogi... <laughs> yeah, Yogi and Frank Mason. this is a really interesting group here. So that was fun being happy and talking about a good <laughs> point guard. I don't know. I mean, you start with Yogi. what is what was your impression of of his season?
0: I like the energy and I think that he's a smart basketball player, but being six feet tall is not gonna help you obviously. And the shooting percentages were okay. I mean, 36% from deep is nice. 43% from the field, not so much. Um, I mean, leg led the team in free throw percentage at almost 90%, but you just, it's very difficult to have a positive impact when you're, when you're six feet tall. I mean, you have to be absolutely elite on the offensive end, like someone like Kemba Walker, Chris Paul. And it's just, a struggle on defense with Yogi. And I think that our bench already doesn't have great defense that it it just really hurts to have that undersized type guy there. And that's why we've been talking about really needing a backup point guard with some defensive upside and intensity in this free agency.
1: Right. Right. I, I, I like Yogi. I like what he did this year. It's interesting that he didn't really play at all the first half of the season um, or he was getting very, you know, very sparingly. It felt like Mason had the job out of the preseason. And then, you know, Jaeger got fed up with him and gave the job to Yogi. And I think he did a much better job. Um, And it's tough because he's really a shooting guard. You know, this is our point guard segment and and we had to put him in here because he's not even six feet tall but he's a he's a five foot ten and a half shooting guard (laughs) and so whatever that means like he's as good as a five foot ten and a half inch shooting guard can be but I still don't know that that's useful for more than more than 10 minutes a game but I'd like to have him at 10 minutes a game I my concern is that With all the chatter about uh, the Kings have not been shy about wanting to have wanting to add a playmaker. Um, We know Jeremy Lin was a guy that they were pursuing at the trade deadline. Uh, And I think that, you know, people have confirmed repeatedly that uh, another playmaker is one of the targets. So I don't know if Yogi will be here next season. I hope that he is. I've have, I've have, I don't know maybe it's a coin flip at this point. Uh Frank, you know, we'll talk about in a second. I feel like has a much worse case. But at the same time I think that Yogi it would be really smart to keep Yogi around because he is on a non-guarantee until the 4th of July and I don't know I don't know. I just, I just feel like you could do worse for $3 million and he's a guy that can give you eight, eight to 12 minutes off the bench. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I don't have a lot to say about it. I feel like he's, he is what he is. There's nothing to really, uh, really explain here. He's a, he's a little dude who can be a spark, but he's, yeah, he's not going to give you anything on defense. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the same with
0: you there. I mean, having him as a, a third string point guard is, is a great situation. I mean, I don't know if he's happy with that. I think that he's been pretty reliable with the amount of games that he's been available for and eight, having played 82 games his last year in Dallas, 71 this season. I, I don't know. I think like you said that I feel like he can be useful for the team, he can come in and I mean, it's always great to hear the golden one center just scream his name and just that alone. I mean, that's, that's three million dollars. But actually, I mean, his transition threes seem to somehow be automatic. Like his yeah. shooting was, was great at times this year. So I agree with you. I think that there's definitely a place, but it's just not, it's not the backup one. I just, that's just not where his fit
1: is. You're right. That's a hundred percent correct. I agree with that. I think that you have Fox and Buddy as your one and two. Bogey is your backup two. The kings need to add a backup one, and then Yogi is your fifth guard. I think that's the way to do this. So fifth guard being, because your backup two is Bogey, no? Yeah, right. So I'm saying you got Fox as your one. We, you know, the kings bring in a backup one. Yeah. Then you got Buddy as the two. Bogey is your backup two. And then Yogi is the fifth guard. So. Yeah. Like your, you know, he's your third shooting guard and your third uh, point guard, basically. Because I feel like he's a combo guard. I, I really, I really do like. I know that, you know, in Dallas, that's how he was played. He was played as a shooting guard mostly. Yeah, and that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but I think that you're you're pretty spot on with that in
0: regards to his play. He really is a shooting guard. He just doesn't have the size for it, so it's difficult. But having Bogey to kind of run that second unit had made that work at times because. It wasn't like we were desperately needing his playmaking, but at this point that's definitely what we want from that backup position. If we're talking encore value for next year as this fifth guard, what what value are you putting in that? I mean, right now it's a three million dollar contract next year. Is it about that range?
1: It is about that range. I I think I think that there are teams out there that would pay Yogi up to five million on a one year deal and i think having him there is a it's a it's an, it's essentially an option essentially a team option but really it's a non guarantee yeah 3 million i i hope that the kings uh, keep him and, and i hope that you know maybe i'm taking the pursuit of a backup point guard too seriously as a threat to yogi uh, leaving but i also know that the kings if they really want to sign a max player they're probably going to need to cut every bit that they can off of this cap sheet. And having that non-guarantee would put Yogi in a vulnerable position there. Yeah, and it
0: leaves Yogi in a vulnerable position. I mean, Frank Mason's looking even worse after this. Yeah, it's a time to talk about Frank? I think it is. It's bad, man. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's only the second year. But he was a second-round pick. He's the same sort of thing as Yogi where he's 5'11". He's got some nice hustle to him. He plays hard. But, I mean, 21% from deep. I guess you broke 40% from the field. But 68% from the line. And he's obviously not getting any minutes. He just, it doesn't seem like he can run an NBA offense. And he's not going to be able to defend an NBA point guard.
1: He's a terrible player. I don't know. I'm just gonna go out on, on a limb here. I, I, gosh, I feel bad, but this dude, this dude's not ready to play NBA basketball, and he's 25, right? So yeah. I don't think he's gonna get ready anytime soon. Super old for a rookie. Came in last year, and his saving grace was that he was hitting the three ball at a at a nice clip, 36%. Now that has disappeared completely it's shocking how how worse he got uh, shooting from distance and yeah man i mean i just when i watch him play i get so frustrated because he just tries to do way too much he thinks he's 6 foot 8 that he plays like he's 6 foot 8 and he just gets just demolished at the rim or he over dribbles like that's how you know he's yeah. playing like he's on A rec league court, you know? Yeah, he's playing like he's still
0: playing at Kansas and just able to do whatever he wants. It's just the NBA just
1: is too much for Frank Mason, it feels like. It's way too much. Yeah, and he's not... You can tell that the coaching staff is not a fan of his because they are often furious with him. He's either getting an open look for three and passing it up or he's for some reason driving into a lane wh- where he gets the ball swatted by three people simultaneously. There's unbelievable. If you look at his tape on, on like on the uh, his shots w- at the basket, there are so many that get blocked. It's astonishing. He actually was, was not that bad this year in terms of percentage, but he was, he had the worst field goal percentage inside five feet Jeez. in the, in the NBA. Uh, as a rookie so yeah like i mean he was hitting like 42 percent of the shots within within five feet which is horrific yeah yeah he was actually making more of his baskets like i i did i did a piece on this too where like he's actually made more more shots outside of 20 feet than he made inside of 20 feet <laughs> it's crazy yeah and i mean being this under six foot point guard
0: basketball reference saying 511 and that might even be a little generous you have to be able to use your body. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is like the peak of being a good offensive player, especially around the rim, but using your body and protecting protecting yourself with the rim, finishing on opposite sides with both hands, that skill is just not there for Frank Mason. I mean, keep working on the dance moves and run the Liddy committee for me though.
1: Yeah, I, I hope that he gets a fresh chance somewhere else and changes up this game, but yeah, I mean he's just tu- turnover prone. He plays hero ball. He comes in and he just feels like, all right, I'm gonna get buckets. I'm gonna make this this happen. I'm gonna force something and it, it never works.
0: Yeah, so I think that we started the Costa Cufos test. Would you rather have Cufos or Frank Mason? It's a pretty easy pick, I think.
1: Yeah, I, it's Costa, but I don't want. I think I'm deciding that I don't want either of them. <laughs> It's been four months since we or four weeks since we did five weeks since we did the, the the Costa thing and we agreed we wanted him back as a veteran presence and then there's so many big men out there. Yeah. I I don't want either of them. I, I would like I would like Frank Mason to go let's recap this as a as a whole here. Um is there any money is there any any dollar value you would take Frank Mason at?
0: No. I mean he's not gonna play for me
1: right agreed so let's 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 recap this going forward uh the king's cap sheet is pretty pretty clean aside from seven players so we know barnes bogey bagley bielitsa healed giles will be returning Of oh, the rest of these guys who are you cool with letting go of and I'll, I'll run down the list here or maybe you could i'll run down the list and you tell me who you want to keep Okay. Alec Burks, uh, Costa Kufos, Willie Colley-Stein, Yogi Ferrell, Corey Brewer, Caleb Swanigan, Frank Mason, and then the two way guys, BJ Johnson, William Gabriel, Troy Williams. I'm with
0: Kufos, Brewer, and Yogi I'm okay with. And this is uh, assuming that Yogi and Kufos understand that they're third stringers.
1: Okay, so, okay, gotcha. So you Kufos can kind of be that fifth big? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Or third,
0: yeah, if he's the third center, then, I mean, that's okay with me. I think that, like we said, veteran presence, and then, yeah. So I think if you
1: had two others, that I can live with that. Okay, fair enough. What about yourself? I, I've i turned on Costa uh which is a bummer because he's a great guy everyone loves him but yeah of that group yogi is the only one that i want back truly oh and brewer i'm sorry obviously i want brewer back no alec burks that's your guy no alec burks please no (laughs) alec burks i'm sorry caleb Swanigan. i don't want you back my man i know uh love love your whole situation love you you're a great guy uh obviously willie i would love to see out of here Um, yeah, so I don't know. I feel like we're gonna, so we're gonna, we did positional stuff on the roster. Now we're gonna move to free agency in the future in the coming weeks. And this will be really interesting because the way that I see it, I think there's a lot of roster spots to fill here. I think that there's a legit chance the Kings add three or four free agents.
0: Yeah, so do I. And it seems like, Obviously, what we're hearing and what makes sense is that center position, the backup point guard, like we said, looking at a defender and distributor there, and then a wing as well. And there's there's a what – what is the percentage? There's like 30% of the entire market of players is going to be available this season. I mean, there's a crazy pool of guys to pick from. It's massive, yeah. I think that that was all that we have for breaking down these point guards. Though, is there anything that you feel like we missed out on?
1: No, I'm good. I I think that we really, I think that we really do need a true backup point guard. That's becoming clear. Yeah. Y- you know, I would like to keep Yogi as that fifth guard, like we're like we're saying, but you need a guy that can come in and play defense and distribute uh, behind Fox. That's going to be probably the number one priority. Uh maybe maybe we we'll do we could do this reverse order in the free in free agency. So maybe maybe we'll do that next week. Rob's is thinking. Start with point guard, back at point guard options.
0: Yeah, and I guess just to tease a little bit, Corey Joseph has been growing on me. The defense it has been surprising to me the deeper I've dug into it.
1: He's incredible, yeah. And I think like I mentioned, I actually said this earlier when I was running him down, but yeah, fourth in defensive RPM.
0: Yeah, I mean he's definitely on my watch list. Um, and a good amount of other guys That we've obviously talked about But I think that That is going to do it for this episode, Rich
1: Yes, sir I'm good And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday With uh, Something different Not quite sure what yet uh, If you got suggestions for the podcast Please hit us up on Twitter At kings underscore, underscore pulse uh, Interact with us there And uh, yeah give us some feedback guys yeah
0: at very least we have a couple questions from reddit i know there's some trade hypotheticals in there and a few other things so like rich said if you have any sort of suggestions or what you'd like to hear us talk about any questions for us you can contact myself and rich via the king's pulse twitter at kings underscore pulse be sure to give us a follow there and subscribe to us on your podcast listening platform rate and review, please. It does a lot for us, guys. Thank you to everybody for this listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And as Rich said, you will hear from us again on Wednesday.